Today on this episode of the PB Roundup Specialist Spotlight. We would never be able to step down with COPD care. We kept adding and adding as the patient got more severe, but that's not exactly the case. We do have a step down approach in COPD. Today, Drs. Nick Hanania and Sydney Brayman join the podcast to discuss step down therapy in COPD, when and why, in this PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. Boehringer Engelheim has 100 years of heritage in respiratory disease. Since 1921, they have emerged as a leader in this disease area, having launched several treatments in a range of respiratory conditions, including asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, and lung cancer. Their focus is on improving the quality of life of patients suffering from debilitating respiratory diseases and enabling them to maintain a more independent life. Learn more at BoehringerEngelheim.com. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not represent the views of Boehringer Engelheim or its affiliates. I'm Nick Hanania, Director of the Airway Clinical Research Center at Baylor College of Medicine, Professor of Medicine as well at Baylor and Chief of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at Bentop Hospital in Houston. And I'm Sidney Brayman. I'm a Professor Emeritus of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep at the Icon School of Medicine in New York, and also at uh, the medical school at Brown University. Welcome, Sydney. It's nice to have you today. Well, nice to be here with you, Nick. Sydney, today I'd like to talk to you about stepwise therapy in COPD, including stepping up and stepping down, when to do it, and in which patients, and why. So first, uh, can you talk about uh, your concept of stepwise therapy in COPD? Certainly, Nick. You know, uh, this is an actually fascinating story, which starts at, at least 50 years ago. Um, it was in the mid-20th uh, century and decades thereafter that it was noted that asthma mortality was increasing, increasing, despite the fact that we were doing a lot of better things uh, with asthma care. And that led to 1991, what we lovingly call the uh, asthma guidelines and NAEPP guidelines. In those guidelines, there were some important lessons for physicians, clinicians to care for asthmatics. And what I'm going to tell you now is that those same uh, precept, uh, uh, precepts have really transformed into our care of COPD. They reminded us, for example, of uh, environmental exposures, and we certainly talked to our COPD patients about environmental exposures. They reminded us about the objective measure. We measure spirometry for COPD. And one of the important concepts in the asthma guidelines in 1991 was what they called step-up care, meaning that milder asthmatics took less medication, and as the asthma was more severe, that medication was stepped up into further, more complicated uh, regimens. So this was the step-up care, and sure enough, uh, the COPD community took these lessons from the asthma guidelines and began using the same concept. Milder COPD, we only use perhaps short-acting bronchodilators. As symptoms got worse, we began using longer-acting bronchodilators, and so forth, so we stepped up care. One, one of the concepts in asthma care was step down, meaning that when the asthmatic was improved, uh, you could actually 
start peeling off medicines, taking less medicines. And our thoughts, at least initially, uh, when we adapted this, um, adopted this um, uh, scheme, uh, was that we would never be able to step down with COPD care. We kept adding and adding as the patient got more severe. But as I'll discuss in a second, that's not exactly the case. We do have a step-down approach in COPD. Thanks for explaining. So a stepwise approach, meaning taking a step at a time and adding all medicine. But is there a risk about doing this? And what do you think about this hit-hard approach where you start high and then maybe consider stepping down? Uh, do you have yeah, any experience yeah. with well, that or do you prefer the stepping up? Approach? Yeah. Remember, I, I remember that this COPD is a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's chronic disease. And uh, unlike uh, asthma, whose definition begins, it is an episodic disease. Uh, COPD does have its episodes, the exacerbations. But I think asthma is, is, is much more of, a, of an effervescent disease coming and going. Um, so I think the hit hard approach in COPD really, it, it doesn't really apply. And, and I think that this step-up approach is really more appropriate. Uh, we have our guidelines, our goal guidelines, which, which tell us that when symptoms are mild and there are no exacerbations, we begin with uh, small little steps. We may be only as needed uh, short-acting uh, bronchodilators. Uh, as the patients become more symptomatic, persistently symptomatic, uh, we begin to tr treat with longer-acting bronchodilators. And then again, in the more severe categories, uh, we may even use a tr triple therapy. Uh, with a LABA, LAMA, and ICS. Uh, so I, I am not a hit-hard approach, except maybe during acute exacerbations, uh, but I think that it's a stepwise approach that I, I think we follow for COPD. Yeah, I'm, I, like you, I, I do a stepwise approach in the majority of patients, but in those high-risk of exacerbation, I am very optimistic about starting uh, with more than one medication up at the beginning and then maybe consider coming down. Uh, so I think in there's sub, sub, some subpopulations where, you know, hitting hard may be the way to go just because you don't want to risk them not being uh, 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 treated well right up front. Uh, so there are pros and cons. What do you think about the, the pros of stepwise versus hit hard approaches? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, uh, I think there was this concept that we would start with one bronchodilator. Usually it was a, llama, a, a long-acting muscarinic antagonist. And then if the patient was still symptomatic. We added perhaps a LABA for better bronchodilatation. Uh, I think that, uh, that has been out the window. I think most of us believe that once a patient starts to become symptomatic, uh, you would hit him hard with two, at least two of these uh, medications, long-acting beta agonists and long-acting uh, muscarinic antagonists. So in that concept, I think, yeah, we, we hit hard and we don't uh, nibble away at the disease. Yeah, so we've talked about stepping up. Now, there's been some discussion about stepping down, although the recent gold reiteration don't suggest that this approach may be viable, although I may disagree. Uh, but there are some studies suggesting that stepping down, particularly out of from inhaled corticosteroids in COPD, may be a right thing to do in some subpopulation. What, what are your thoughts about stepping down uh, therapy yeah. in patients with COPD? Well, this was a concept that uh, Gold uh, introduced around 2017, I think it was. First time they had mentioned it. They were 
quick to say, well, we're saying this, but we don't really have any, any really enough enough perspective data to to prove this. But we think that that stepping down is a good thing. What happened uh, uh, in the nineteen uh, late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, is that uh, because of some studies done with asthma, showing clearly that the combination of inhaled corticosteroid and long-acting beta agonist were appropriate and were necessary for the asthmatic and certainly did better than perhaps uh, increasing the dose of inhaled corticosteroid. Now, once again, from the asthma world, this sort of slid over into the COPD world so that by the 2000s, uh, first with articles like uh, Hanania et al. and Chest in 2000, I think three or four, uh, showing that this combination of a LABA ICS was very safe and very effective and reduced exacerbations, improved lung function, uh, and so forth. So I think that we just automatically started using this LABA ICS. And this was very widespread use. And I don't think there was really a question. Uh, it was a thought that this is a, you know, one size fits all. All COPD patients, this is what you do. Well, as time went on, uh, by the by the the teens, uh, uh, there were a couple of studies that showed that maybe that's not necessary in all COPD patients. I probably I think back, perhaps uh, the the first study that sort of opened everybody's eyes was uh, the Wisdom study uh, that looked at patients who were on triple therapy and said, hey, you know, maybe they don't need uh, three drugs. Maybe they would be just as effective therapy with just a LABA, uh, LAMA. And sure enough, that article showed that, yes, you can do this. Exacerbation rates weren't really uh, uh, higher. Uh, there was a small decrement in lung function, which is probably not enough to, to worry about. But then they looked back and said, wait a minute now. We didn't look at a specific group of patients very carefully. And those were patients that seemed to have high blood eosinophil counts. And sure enough, in that subgroup, high blood eosinophil counts seemed to make a difference, and they did not do. Their exacerbation rate was increased. Uh, so that this whole concept of the use of this biomarker, the eosinophil, I think suddenly blossomed into the scene. Into the scene. Uh, that now we understand that just like with asthma, where we are beginning to be carefully uh, phenotyping patients and, and, uh, and establishing their um, endotype, the mechanism of disease, uh, we now are, are recognizing uh, that we can probably start to do this in COPD, not as fulsome as the asthma story, but certainly in the COPD story. And one of those biomarkers that can detect uh, patients who would be uh, needing an ICS uh, would be those with high blood eosinophil counts. Uh, arbitrarily, it's been set somewhere around 300. The higher the count, the better it, it, the response would, would be. Uh, and certainly, those patients with very low eosinophil counts less than 100 uh, cells per deciliter, uh, you would not want to use uh, uh, the inhaled corticosteroid. So this is the step-down story. Uh, again, it, st it started with, uh, I think, the asthma. Once again, the asthma um, uh, approach, uh, which we're now recognizing, uh, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all in COPD also. So we're curious to know, Sydney, when you're stepping down, there are some patients who may not do it. And so what are some parameters you follow if you step down therapy? Um, I'm just curious to know in your practice, what do you look for? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't worry much about it in those with very, very low eosinophil counts, honestly. Uh, we know that one of the uh, effects, uh, the, the actually side effects 
uh, of an uh, inhaled corticosteroid in, in, uh, in COPD uh, is pneumonia. Uh, now, this is not all patients who are taking it, particularly in the elderly, particularly those with much more severe disease, um, um, perhaps other forms of immunosuppression. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, th that was a warning, and particularly that's seen in those patients with those very low eosinophil counts. There's higher rates of pneumonia in those patients and chronic infection in those patients. So I think th that would be the group that I really would try to stay away from. Uh, and certainly we know uh, from a number of studies that uh, by using this triple therapy, LABA, LAMA, ICS, uh, in those that are m in the most severe category, those who have had at least two or more exacerbations and those who are uh, very symptomatic, uh, we know that uh, those patients have a, a, a benefit from using the inhaled corticosteroid on top of the bronchodilator. So I think th that's, to me, the, the approach that I would use. Uh, I would worry about uh, uh, not using, uh, I, I'd be concerned about using the corticosteroid uh, in those with the very, very low eosinophil counts. Thank you so much, uh, Sydney. This was very informative, and I appreciate you joining me today. My pleasure. Always great to be with you. And that's today's special spotlight. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my flash briefing? Thanks today to our guests, Drs. Nick Hanania and Sydney Brayman, and to Sean Mullen for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.